0: Rats! <laughs> oh! Clodius Maximus, proud military veteran of the Roman Empire, 19th Legion. Fought, awarded, honorably discharged, and retired to the Roman city of Philippi. It's a soldier's dream retirement. Tomatoes, (laughs) grapes, figs. I got my own house, my own land. I was living the dream after serving all those years in the northern territories fighting the barbarians. And they said, you can go live in Philippi. And so I settled back into the dream of retirement, eating tomatoes, (laughs) drinking wine, pruning figs it was a wonderful life for about a week <laughs> and I was like I need some action and my f- I found out there was a job a local job <laughs> at the jail <laughs> my friend said you know Claudius you don't want to necessarily take that job because if you lose a prisoner it's your life for theirs I said, well, I can handle that. I, I fought some vile Goths in the northern territories. I can handle any Macedonian prisoner that comes my way. And so I took the job. And I served with an impeccable record. Never, ever did I lose a prisoner. Un- of course, there was that one night when I almost lost them all. <laughs> For the most part, our, our prisoners are just petty crimes and the odds. Passer through that causes grief. Some drunks get thrown in overnight sometimes. It's, it's pretty easy. But when they do come in, and when the rough ones come in, I make sure they know who's boss. <laughs> this old bullwhip comes in pretty handy. It's funny how sometimes those stairs in the jail are uneven, and people can fall and trip. <laughs> and sometimes the chains get a little bit, you know, rusty and rough, and they, they have been known to break bones on occasion. That's just what happens in the prison. Everyone that comes into my prison knows who's boss, who's in charge. And I am proud to uphold the Roman peace in the city of Philippi. You see, I fought for that peace. And we Romans know that a respectable city follows the Roman customs, the Roman government respects the empire, and then you can live your life however you like. We have all sorts of cults and and sects and religions in our city A year ago, we kicked all the Jews out because Claudius had done the same in Rome. So we figured, ah, sounds good. The emperor thought they're no good for Rome. If they're no good for Rome, they're no good for Philippi. And then, a year later, these men show up. Jewish men preaching some new religion. We uh, Romans don't really like the Jews that much. They're an odd group. They, They are irreligious, almost atheistic. They only have one God. I mean, what, what kind of crazy people only have one God? And they they, they don't like to s- serve the, the emperor. And it's there's been conflicts. I've met friends that have fought down in the Judean territories. Horrible place to serve. These men show up. Now, for the most part, no one really notices them. They're just kind of drifting in and out They're down by the river with some foreign women, and those women take them in. And and that's fine if a couple of foreign women, that Lydian lady from, you know, sells those cloths, purple cloths. if, If she wants to serve them in her house and feed them her food, and if he wants to take a few women, that's fine. Just leave us alone. And so it was fine for a few days until the Python begin to show interest in these men. The Python, of course, is this local slave girl who has this weird madness about her. The spirits speak through the python. She is a crazy slave girl. But everyone knows that what she says it seems to... to to come to pass, so to speak. So you can pay and receive an oracle from the Python. And so she is one of the options in Philippi for discerning the future and business transactions and whether you should go to war and whether you should get married, this and that. I mean, the Python is just one of many. And and she, and she has respectable owners who, who take good care of her. But she is strange. And the Python begins to follow these men around. And she's screaming. These men are servants of the Most High God who show you the way to salvation. Very annoying, of course, (laughs) as you can tell, and very odd. Now, I think the Jewish teachers wanted to see some traction in their ministry, but this wasn't the type of announcement they preferred. And for days, this went on. And then they were getting attention, negative attention, negative press, as you'd call it. You know, they're just running around screaming after them, screaming after them, screaming after them. I mean, I, everyone else was getting annoyed with this, but they were getting attention. Finally, the leader of the two, Paul, turns and looks at her and says, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. Now I wasn't there, but it wasn't a public place, and friends of mine saw it happen. And there, in that moment, the pytho changed. Her face changed. Her voice changed. Uh, her whole countenance, the way she carried herself. Yeah, it was not the same person anymore. It was the strangest thing. Of course, her owners demanded an oracle and asked her, and were prodding her, and they found out that what had been a valuable slave that had earned them many, many, many denarii suddenly was just a useless little slave girl. She didn't even know how to wash clothes or change diapers. I mean, she had just been in the, the, the pytho all of her life, and now there she was. I mean, what, what good was she? Her value went down 100-fold. In that moment. Now, like I said, we Philippians are proud Romans. And as long as you leave us Romans alone, we're okay. But when you start to step into our business, we begin to take that very personally. (laughs) Our owners grabbed these two men and dragged them down into the center of the city in front of the, the, the rulers of our city those two men and and the and the crowd is following and, and it's getting raucous and, and and they bring these men before him and they said these men are, are commanding us to do things that are unlawful for Romans these Jews are, are disrupting the peace of our wonderful city now it's not good if you are a in a foreign city to have riots. When that you know news gets back to Rome, I mean, you get in trouble. So these men are understandably nervous. That The crowd is, is getting more and more raucous. And so they have to bring this under control. And so those guys grab these two men, strip them, and begin to beat them. Boom, boom, boom. The rods are out. Boom, boom, boom. The crowd is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they bring them to me. And they say, lock them up. Security. That's what I do. (laughs) So I took them. Now you understand, they came to me. There's blood pouring from their body. Bruises forming. Eyes are closing. I mean, teeth missing. This is not a very nice picture. But just to make sure they know whose charge they're in, I grabbed them, and I escorted them down into the inner dungeon. They seemed to miss a few steps on the way down, (laughs) and they rolled to the bottom. I grabbed them, and I I put them in the stocks, and uh, whoops, the stocks missed the hole, hit the leg, shin, knee, you know, they're bruising them, and I'm bumping their heads as I'm putting the chains on them. I'm making sure they know where they are, and that they will never return to my city again. myself and uh, looking after my prisoners (laughs) looking after you know what i mean paul and silas there they were bloody bruised oozing and i locked them up securely and waited for the night to go by other prisoners were locked up at the same time Uh, we had a few going through and about the time that the prisoner begins to kind of get back on their and their feet their head clears Usually they begin to cuss and to swear at me. They begin to curse and call out and, and call me names. And that's when I get out of the bullwhip and I crack a few lips. Crack, 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 crack. And then they shut up. And if they keep cursing, then I'll throw some chains at them. And I'll, I'll rough them up a bit. And then they'll finally shut up. And I'll, I'm used to this. These men start talking. And I'm like, they're talking to someone. And, they, and then I realize they're, they're praying to their God. I'm like, okay, well, I've heard prisoners pray to their gods before. But this is nothing like I've ever heard before. It's strange. And then they're praying for me and for the other prisoners. I'm like, what are you doing praying for me? I have my own gods. And then, hmm, to just put the cap on and all, they began to sing songs about their god. Now, I'm used to songs in the prison. Yeah, they're... They're lewd, crude, rude, songs of the legions, songs of the inns, songs that no respectable woman or children should ever have to hear. I, I hear those songs, and I'm, I usually listen to them for a while, then I crack the whip and they shut up. But these songs were different. They're singing about their God. Their God becomes a man, which is strange, but I understand some of the Greek gods did these kind of things, maybe. And their God, instead of being like Mars or Venus or, the, you know, the, the gods of the Romans, the powerful gods, I mean, he, he's this God of care and kindness and compassion. So what a sissy God these Jewish guys have. He comes to serve. What kind of God serves his people? What a joke. And then they talk about their God. Dying. Dying?! for his people. And, and, and it's so strange because it talks about their God forgiving and, and, and restoring. And I was like, what kind of God do you serve? Craziness. But I'd never, ever seen a prisoner, two prisoners, singing, praying. After getting a beating and after the rough handling that I offered them, there they were singing there it's like there's this joy in their life never have i seen i've seen vile anger bitterness rage i've depression i've seen it all but but this this i've never seen before it was eerie unsettling and after listening to this for quite a while i noticed the other prisoners are listening I began to wonder, what do these guys have that I don't have? I'm a successful Army veteran. I have an impeccable record as a jailer of Philippi. I live the life of a dream life with my family, on my property, figs and tomatoes, I earn a good wage as a civil servant plus my pension. I mean, what else do I need? But then I see something in these men that, that haunts my soul. <sighs> and so I take a couple swigs on my, on, my, on my drink and I put my feet up and I say, well, it's going to be a long night, might as well catch a few winks and fall asleep. And I'm sleeping and I'm sleeping and, and I'm having this horrible dream because the whole prison is shaking. And then I opened my eyes and it's no dream. The prison is shaking. Dust is falling. Rocks are falling. And I'm wondering, what is happening here? This is not a dream. This is a nightmare. And as I'm watching, it's like in slow motion. I'm seeing chains break right in front of my eyes. I'm seeing doors pop loose out of their places in the rocks. I'm seeing wide open prison doors. I'm seeing chains hanging loose out of the wall and I'm wondering, oh no, this is it. You know, as soldiers, we often wonder, what will that final battle be like, you know? What's it going to be like? Are we just going to walk into the harvest fields as we die in the battlefield. I mean, we kind of sometimes think about this. How how are we going to move into the afterlife? And there I am watching rocks fall, chains break, bars, you know, falling down, and, and, and suddenly realizing prisoners are now able to escape. I am realizing that this is it for Clodius Maximus. This is how my life will end. I never thought it would end like this. Because if these prisoners get out, guess what? My life for there. And I thought about all the shame that will come to my family, to my home. I have to watch my children watch me die publicly, shaming my family because I I did not discharge my duties as a jailer. And I thought, and, and in that moment, there was all I could see was darkness, darkness, darkness. And what my Roman faith and pride brought me was there was one option to take my own because I had no hope, except public humiliation and shame as all these prisoners ran to their freedom, as I watched them helpless to do my job. This was not the way I envisioned my life ending. But, oh, I had to do it for myself, for my family. And all I could see was black, black, black. And so I thought, this is it. I will die. Maybe a story will be told of me fighting these prisoners, trying to get them to save. But I thought, this is it. I won't let my family be shamed. I won't let my name be shamed. Oh, darkness, blackness, I'm entering it. And then I took that knife, and I'm ready to and all of a sudden I hear the Jewish preacher. Don't harm yourself. Stop. We're all here. I said, what? We're all here. Are you kidding me? I mean, if I was you, I'd be running, running out of Philippi, running across the river, running to a ship, getting out of here. And there you're saying, we're all here. But wait a second. I wouldn't have stuck around. Why did they stick around? it about these guys? And so I called for some lights. My assistants brought them. And I just knelt down in front of these two beaten, bruised men in the stalks. And I said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said to me, believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your household, and you'll be saved. By this point, my family had come. They the earthquake, you know, they wondered what was happening, if everything was okay, and there they were. And and so we sat and we and they shared to us the word of the Lord. That this loving creator God had sent his son, and this son had lived as the Jewish Messiah, and he brought and he he demonstrated love and, and he died on the cross. That horrible Death of crucifixion for for our sins. And then he rose again. And that if you believe in him, that you can have eternal life. And the light went on. The darkness swept away as I realized what these men had and what I needed. And so me and my family, we believed. All these prisoners could have ran out to their freedom, but they stayed. He stayed. And little did I know in that before that conversation that I was the one who was in prison and in chains. And they were the free ones. As the light opened in my heart and my eyes, I looked at these men and suddenly a deep remorse filled my soul. It's like a replay of every horrible thing I'd done to them when they came. I was so ashamed. We took them out of the stocks. <laughs> we brought them to a nice and we washed them and cleaned them. I gave them some of my very own clothes. I felt so much differently about them. Not about, not just them, but, but about everyone. Something had changed inside of me. I wasn't the same person anymore. I wasn't that same rough and gruff. Hurt, and mean, prisoner. There was something different. Oh, Jesus had invaded my life. He had conquered me, the unconquerable jailer. Well, as soon as they were looked after, I said, hey, we're ready to be baptized. We believe this. This is our life. We want to move forward. Let us. So there on that night in the fountain in the courtyard of my house, they baptized Claudius Maximus. He finally died. And what rose to life was the new man, Clodius Maximus, follower of Jesus. Then we had a feast. I was not eating with prisoners. I was eating with brothers. We were now a new family together. I thought I had known fraternity. I mean, I fought elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder with some mighty men. But then there as I grew in this faith and partnered together with others of like of the same faith, I discovered a unity, a partnership I had not known before. A fellowship. I began to hang out with the foreign woman, the immigrant to Philippi, Lydia, and, and, and the Pytho. She also... Cape came part of our church. In fact, we don't call her the Pytho anymore. We call her Caris, Grace, because that's her life now. So there you got this foreign immigrant, Asian. You've got this former slave. And then you've got this civil servant. Here we are, the church in Philippi. You should see my Roman buddies. They think I love it. (laughs) I tell them about Jesus. And they're like, are you serious, Claudius? I'm like, oh, let me tell you about the greatest battle I ever fought. It was fought in the earthquake in the prison cell. But there, oh, there I lost, but I won. And he won me. And so the church in Philippi has grown. We have elders. We have deacons. We have this deep passion for the gospel. We take every spare dime we can and we send it to Paul and to the others to help spread this gospel. Because it's changed us so much, we want this change to occur all over the world. Sometimes he even says, look, slow down, like you're giving too much, you're hurting yourself. We don't care, just let me partner with the gospel. When we can, we try to send. So we sent one of our guys, Epaphroditus, go help Paul. And he was a good man, and we thought this would be great. But then he got there, and he got sick. And we felt so bad because we're like, okay, Paul, we wanted to help you. And then we sent the guy that got sick, and so he's actually a burden to you. And we were concerned for him. And then there he is in prison, we hear. And we're really discouraged because we're like, this gospel is supposed to be spreading all over the world, and you're stuck in a prison? Like, we're so depressed about this. But apparently... Apparently, he's sending us a letter to help clarify some of these issues. I mean, there's been a few more Jewish guys showing around, and they're flashing their credentials, and, and, and Paul's sending a letter. I think Epaphroditus is going to bring that letter here. And this letter is going to help us to continue to grow in our faith because, you see, we don't enter this relationship with God and and just sort of end it. I mean, we're supposed to be growing in this relationship. And so I, Claudius Maximus, along with Lydia, along with with Charis, and all the church, we're growing together and we're looking forward to this letter. You know, when you read Paul's letters, it's like God speaking to you. Mm. It's life-giving. I think he's got some good words in there for, for you, too about life, about joy, about fellowship, about the gospel, about surrender, about generosity, about goals. Oh, so I'm looking forward to that. You should come back next week. Let's look at this letter together. Let's listen. Let's see what God would have to say to us. But let me tell you, if God can save Claudius Maximus, the crude, rude... (laughs) vile man that I was, mean, heartless. If he can take me and turn me into a new creation in Christ, then he can take anyone. And this book of, this letter that's coming to this church in Philippi will help you to understand what that means. So I invite you back next week and grow with me as Listen to the words of God through the Apostle Paul as he speaks to our hearts and encourages us in this new life that we have in Jesus Christ. (laughs) right. I just want you to realize that this book that we read every week here at New Life involved real people in real circumstances with real transformation. That's what New Life's all about. Tomorrow night here, um, we hope people begin to explore what it means to, to know Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Real people, real lives, real God real transformation. So I, I hope this, this, this fall you can grow with me, with the team, as we all move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ together. And so God wants to do something in your life this fall. So let's, let's be open and let's be responsive to what God is doing in and through us. And so would you pray with me as we close today? Thank you, Lord, for the gospel that came into our lives, for the salvation that, that, that we received when we turned our own hearts and lives in faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I pray this week that we would be able to do that, that you would open doors of opportunity, that even today you would show us people we could invite to Alpha tomorrow. Lord, may we be used by you in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, this week, this fall. And may we come to know Christ in a deeper practical way this falls, we look at this book of Philippians. And so we commit ourselves to you now, Lord. Thank you for your work in our life. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said? All right. Everything's kicking off this week, so be aware. Be in prayer for each other and go with God's grace.